Introductory Note William Blake, a distinguished English poet, engraver, and painter, born at London, November 28, 1757, died there, August 12, 1827. He was the son of a hosier, but, manifesting an invincible tendency toward art, he was apprenticed to an engraver, and devoted all his spare, hours to drawing, receiving occasional instruction from Flaxman and Fuseli. He invented, by direct divine inspiration, as he believed, a new method of reproducing sketches, the essential feature of which was making the drawing upon a metallic plate with a kind of oily ink or varnish, then biting down the surface of the plate by an acid, leaving the lines of the drawing in relief. These plates were prepared by himself, printed off, and often tinted in colors by him and by his wife. The sale of these works was his main source of livelihood, and they sufficed for all his modest requirements. The current statement, which has found its way into most biographical dictionaries, that, he died in poverty and obscurity, is quite erroneous. He lived in comfort, and left something for his widow, the dark-eyed, Kate, as he was wont lovingly to call her. Of Blake as an artist, this is not the place to speak in detail. Those are not wanting who regard him as the one original English artist of his day. Some have gone so far as to style him the greatest English poet of his time. Thus, Charles Lamb designates him as, one of the most extraordinary persons of the age, and Mr. Algernon Charles Swinburne avers that, he was the single Englishman of supreme and poetic genius of his time. The Life of Blake has been written by Alan Cunningham, 1829, and much better by Alexander Gilchrist, 1863. The Poetical Works of Blake, collected and edited by W. M. Rossetti, 1874, leave little wanting to enable us to fairly assign to him his place as a poet. In his middle and later years Blake lived an almost ideal life, made numerous weird drawings and wrote not a few weird poems, among which are, The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, and, Jerusalem the emanation of the giant Albion. The beings who presented themselves to his imagination were to him hardly less real than those whom he was wont to encounter day by day. It seemed to him that he had lived in other lives, had known Moses and Homer, Virgil and Pindar, Dante and Milton, and that they often visited him. When asked what aspect they bore, he said, they are all majestic shadows, gray but luminous, and superior to the common height of men. No wonder that people who heard him talk in this strain set him down as at least half insane. But he always made a clear distinction between these realities of the imagination and the other realities of this earthly life of man. The sights and voices which came to him from other worlds were as real, neither more so or less, than those of which Wordsworth speaks in his sublime ode on the intimations of immortality. The closing scene of Blake's life is thus told. Three days before his death he was working upon one of his pictures, The Ancient of Days. He sat up, bolstered in his bed, and tinted it with his choicest colors, and in his happiest style. He touched and retouched it, held it at arm's length, and then threw it from him, exclaiming, There, that will do, I cannot mend it. He saw his wife in tears, she felt that this was to be the last of his works. Stay, Kate, cried Blake, keep just as you are. I will draw your portrait, for you have ever been an angel to me. She obeyed, and the dying artist, three score and ten years old, made it a fine likeness.